This is Abigail Spanberger. We don't know what tomorrow holds, but the perseverance and strength of our community inspires me to work hard for you every day. I know this pandemic has hurt certain communities harder than others, and that's why I will keep working to get the affordable health care you need now. This pandemic has also caused tremendous job loss and hurt our local businesses, which we all depend on. That's why I'm working to bring real economic relief to Central Virginia families. I've helped our small businesses get the financial assistance they need, and I voted to expand unemployment insurance. I will continue to fight for your hard-earned benefits and ensure outside groups are held accountable. And I'm finding ways to rebuild and reopen our economy so we can safely get back to work. Abigail Spanberger is a proven leader we need in Congress. So let's come together safely and make a plan to vote early for Democrat Abigail Spanberger. I'm Abigail Spanberger, candidate for Congress, and I approve this message. Paid for by Spanberger for Congress. Welcome to Conversations with Cynthia. Cynthia Hyatt is a relationship expert, executive consultant, and life management coach. Cynthia Hyatt uses her 30 years of experience as a licensed psychotherapist to now offer in-office or concierge services through executive life coaching, consulting, and image management in order to help you be your own best version. Cynthia also specializes in speaking to groups worldwide about how to be successful in relationships, as well as artfully handling life's challenges. She has had many opportunities to present numerous educational seminars and lectures on a variety of motivational, inspirational, and mental health topics around the world. Please take a moment to visit her website at CynthiaHyatt.com. That's Cynthia, H-I-E-T-T.com. Her Facebook page at Cynthia Hyatt Incorporated for current events, updates, and inspiration during your week, as well as all social media platforms. You can hear this show as a podcast on iTunes and many other podcast services. Follow her on Facebook and Instagram. Now, with today's fresh insight, here's Cynthia Hyatt. Well, welcome to the show. I'm so glad that you're joining me today. <clears throat> Excuse me now, anyone that he- lives here in Phoenix, we know the fires and allergy season doesn't seem to want to relent. So I'm very glad that you're visiting today, and I hope that you continue and become um, an active listener. We have a very special guest today. This is Ruth Graham, Ruth Graham Lotz. She's had two books that we're going to probably talk about today, and I think that this is going to be so incredibly helpful when it comes to relationship and when it comes to peace and just being able to be the best version that God has designed you to be. And so, Ruth, thank you so much for coming today and, and being on the show. I'm very excited to have you, and, to, and you are founder and president of Ruth Graham and Friends, and you really actively minister grace and comfort to people that are hurting and alone, and you have two of these books. You also have, um, let's see, Ruth, you are the third child of Billy Graham. Is that correct? That's correct, okay. and I'm Ruth Graham, not Ruth Graham Lott. Oh, God. Anne it. Graham Lott is my sister. Oh, there you so, go. So I don't want to confuse people. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Okay, no, I'm glad that you corrected that because I think I've heard Lott so many times. That, yes. No, that's. I'm glad that you've corrected that. So you've been publishing for 13 years, and 
You have, let's see, it says acquisitions editor in five years. You were the donor relations coordinator for Samaritan's Purse. Yes, I was in uh, publishing for those 13 years a long, long time ago. Wow. And um, then I did Samaritan's Purse, and then I finished my college degree. Yes, and you have an honorary doctorate. I do, I do. I'm very honored by that. That is wonderful. Well, where, where do you think you'd like to start when it comes to this current book that you have and, and this, the one that we're talking about today, the one on forgiveness? Because forgiveness is at the heart of every relationship. There is no true intimacy if you don't know how to forgive. Well, I think someone once asked me the question, or told me something that I think is very important to understand. Who is the most influential person in your life? Is it a mentor, a wife, a husband, a friend, a teacher? It's none of those. Right. It's the person you have yet to forgive. And I think when we hear that, we all think of somebody. Right. Somebody in our life that we have not yet forgiven. We have struggled with it all of our lives, and it just continues to be a struggle. So... That's what got my attention. And um, then years ago, I was invited, Ruth Graham and Friends, which is a ministry that the Lord entrusted to a team of people. We were invited to go down to Angola Prison in Louisiana. Angola Prison was the bloodiest prison in America. It was just an awful place. And uh, it is a camp of 5,000 men who are there for life. And the camp is divided into five different sections, and each section has 5,000 men, and each section has a chapel. So the warden asked if we would come and bring our program. We were dealing with sort of the underside of life. We were dealing with depression and abuse and abortion and pornography and all all those kinds of things that the church does not like to talk about. That's right. And so uh, we went, and instead of the men rotating, we rotated. Uh, so we went to each camp. I, I would take a musical uh, person with me and speak, and then we'd rotate and go on to the next camp. And um, had a wonderful time. Oh, I just love those men. And I have been back several times since. But um, on the next to the last day, the warden came to me and said, Ruth, do you think you're, you and your team would like to go to death row? Well, being in prison was one thing. Right. Going to death row was an t- entirely different thing. I felt totally inadequate, number one, to be in the prison in the first place. But this really made me feel like I was up against something. I had never experienced anything like that. But being me, I said, of course, we would love to. <laughs> so I don't think I slept a wink that night. I was so right. nervous. I was so anxious. And I thought, what in the world can I give to these men? And... Um, I just prayed. I said, Lord, you're going to have to, by your Holy Spirit, help me minister to these dear men. So the next morning we got up and we had breakfast and we loaded into the vans and they drove us down to the back side of the prison and this long, low building and um, surrounded by razor wire that was glistening in the sun. And we got out in a big sign that said death row. Very sobering. Very sobering. Wow. And we went through the first gate, and it closed behind us, and we were pinned in, and then they had to open the next gate, and um, it sort of rattled open, and we met a guard, and he pointed us down this long corridor, and on, on one side was just cells, 
sell you know bars right right and so we decided we would split up so that we could reach as many men as we possibly could so i went down the corridor and the first sale i came to a little brown hand reached out and shook my hand and we talked for a few minutes and uh, found out about his family and uh what was interesting to him, and you don't ever ask what they did because right. that's, that's not good protocol. Right. And um, so I, we chatted for a minute, and then he said to me, he said, can I sing you a song? And I said, why, yes, you can. So he stepped back, and he took a deep breath, and he said, he began to sing a cappella, It Is Well With My Soul. Oh, my goodness. And I knew it was well with his soul. And we talked for a little bit longer, and um, then he said, can I give you a gift? And I thought, oh, my goodness, this man has nothing. What can right. he give me? He went under his pillow, and he pulled out a woven cross that he'd made from threads from his bed sheet. And I, it's a necklace, and I have it. My it's, goodness. It hangs in my house now as a reminder to pray for those sweet men. And, um, I mean, you can't think of these murderers as sweet men but these men have been transformed right right and i was uh and we i prayed with them and then i left and i never thought that our lives would cross again well after i got back while i was there the national press had picked up the fact that i had been at angola and ran a story and this lady emailed me and she said did you really go to angola and i said yes i did she said did you meet michael and i thought I don't know. I met so many people. Let me find out. So I called the warden, and I said, did I meet Michael? And he said, yes, you did. So I called her back, and I said, yes, I did meet him. <laughs> and she said, you know if he's a believer. I said, I don't know that. Let me call the warden. So I called Burl Kane, and I said, Burl, is he a believer? He said, yes, he is a believer, and but he is scheduled to die at the end of this month. Wow. <clears throat> Excuse me. So I called her back, or emailed her back, and I said, Yes, he is a believer, but tell me what your interest is in this young man. And she wrote me back, and she said, Years ago, he brutally murdered my granddaughter, and I just want to know that he will be in heaven with me. Oh, my goodness. And that sort of set me back on my heels. I thought, I know nothing of forgiveness. Right, right. So that set me on the journey to find out as much as I could about what forgiveness really is and how do we truly forgive. Wow, that is fascinating. Because I read some about that, you know, the, the, where how how that impacted you. And I yeah. think that it's hard for people to comprehend the lengths that God will go for us to just make sure we make it. That's no, right. ma- no matter what the, we've he, done. He gets his point across. He yes, he does. Across. And when you get to be instrumental in in that that process, it it's so meaningful. Well, it certainly was for me, and um, the later the lady let me know that she was a missionary in, I think it was Nepal or someplace. Wow. I mean, I, it's just amazing that um, the technology had reached way out there, and we were able to connect, and, um, and he was later put to death, but I could only picture the granddaughter meeting him as he walked into the gate through the gates of heaven, that this was a brother and sister now in Christ, not a murder victim and a murderer. Right, exactly. That's the transformation of, that's the miracle of forgiveness. You know, I I think people don't realize, I I tell this to clients all day, I say, you know, you really just need to understand that the whole point of being here is whether or not you're going to choose Jesus. Mm. 
Mm-hmm. So we have to fill our time doing stuff, absolutely, and, and meaningful things. I'm glad that we, we get to do that. But really the whole point is, am I going to make it? You know, and and so when we get to be instrumental in people's lives and helping them, you know, to regardless of what they've done, it's going to be, you know, it's going to be erased when you go to heaven. Absolutely. God is forgiven. Yes. And it doesn't mean it's not it, it doesn't have, you know, effect and it doesn't mean that it's easy to overcome and forgive. But I just think the beauty of forgiveness is is unprecedented and people don't really understand that. I don't think so, and that it really is very easy. It's a decision. Yes, We yes. make the choice. Um, and once we've made the choice, then it becomes a battle. That's right. Then when we enter the warfare. But uh, when we have made the choice to forgive, um, God is able to inhabit that choice right. and help us to carry it through. Uh, because emotions are going to come along, and emotions are going to hit us, anger, resentment, bitterness, but we can say, no, I have forgiven. People say, oh, I have to forgive again. No, you don't have to forgive again. You've made the choice to forgive. Now you have to work it out. And the emotions right. are going to come, and they will. I use the illustration of like the blow-up clown that kids had that's weighted in the bottom, mm-hmm. and you know, the emotions pop you in the face, and you <laughs> roll back, and you think, oh, dear, I'm down and out. But no, the weight, that decision, writes you again. Oh, that's and a great analogy. Slowly but surely, the whacks are not going to affect you as much, mm-hmm. and you'll bounce back quicker. Oh, I, lo- it is I a, love it is that. a battle. I love. Well, we it's are very yeah, it's very uh, a good picture of, of what yes, forgiveness is. Yes. Uh-huh. Well, join us, listeners, in the next segment as we talk more about this idea of the decision of forgiveness with Ruth Graham. Welcome back. You're listening to Conversations with Cynthia. I'm Cynthia Hyatt, your host. Thank you for joining. And if you're just tuning in, we have a very special guest today. This is Ruth Graham. And she has a wonderful, wonderful testimony about forgiveness and a book that she has also written about that is that we are going to get into later on in this in this, uh, you know, this hour. So we left off with her talking about this idea that Forgiveness is truly a decision, and it starts with that. And I know that I, I work with clients many times that, that are trying to feel forgiveness before they make a decision. And, and Ruth, I'm sure you've run into that, where we're trying to feel it, and then, then that gives us the courage to make the decision to do it, which is backwards. Right. It's backwards. Exactly, exactly. We have to make the choice. It's a right. matter of the will. We make the choice to forgive, and you can have a battle getting there. Right. You know, I don't want to forgive this person. If this person doesn't deserve forgiveness, no, they probably don't, and you didn't either. That's right. Get over yourself. (laughs) Um, And I think it's, but you have to make the decision. It's a choice. And once you've made that decision, then the Holy Spirit inhabits that and helps you. And you are going to have emotions. You are going to have feelings that are not consistent with forgiveness that's right you're going to have the anger and the revenge and you know just want to isolate or you want to get away from these people but those are just feelings and emotions never tell the truth that's they right. just are 
It's how we experience. It's just an experience. That's right, exactly. And we are human beings, and so we experience those things. We don't have to beat ourselves up over it. We just have to move on. That's right. And see, and I think that's where we we have lost some of our our power in America, that we are really camping so much on feelings that we are forgetting the power of thought. That, you know, when God says, for as a man thinketh within, so he is, and take Mm -hmm. captive every thought. And so it's, it's getting a hold of our thinking is one of the best ways to help with forgiveness. And it doesn't mean that we're saying, well, I'm going to then think about how much I love this person I'm trying to forgive. I mean, that's ludicrous. Mm. It's being able to just say, I need to forgive because I've been forgiven, and that is the healthiest thing for me to do. That is going that's to set the, me free. Absolutely. Absolutely. And forgiveness costs Jesus everything. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, when you, you know, when I say to people, listen, we don't forgive people because they deserve it. We don't forgive them because all of a sudden it, forgiveness makes it okay. You don't have to no. forgive something that's, that's okay. You don't, you only, only forgive things that are bad. Mm. And I think people, well, we get kind of, you know, very conflicted in that. We are. And I think we really have not been taught a lot about forgiveness or it's been misunderstood yes. for years. And forgiveness, we've been told that it's a gift you give yourself, it's uh, a letting go, it's a way to get healthy emotionally, and it's all, all of those things are true. But forgiveness is holy. Yes, yes. Forgiveness is an opportunity to participate in the very character of God. And if you want to participate in God's character, then you will be a forgiving person because that is the core of God's heart is forgiveness. And, um, and I can't think of anything more thrilling than to be able to participate in God's character. That is so well said, because I, I think we forget that being human, humans don't have that natural tendency to forgive. It doesn't no. come naturally to us at all. No, and we have an enemy who's trying to drag That's us right. back anyway. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Wow. So, so part of the, this process for you was learning to forgive. It was. It was learning what forgiveness was. Mm. And, and that I had such a desire to really participate in God's character. I wanted to be, um, how do I, I want to say like God, but I wanted, mm-hmm. to, I wanted to be a wonderful reflection of who he is. And God is forgiveness. And, I, and God is love. But I wanted to engage in the process. And it didn't come easily. Um, not at all. Uh, my first husband was unfaithful to me for years, and we'd been married for 21 years, and it just pulled the rug out from Absolutely. under me. And I was angry. I was bitter. I held on to that for years. And I think I even tainted my children with it. It was just terrible. Wow. Well, and I think but, that's what's tough is, you know, you, it's like, it's natural. You have a right to be furious when someone wrongs you that way. <laughs> I mean, how could you feel any other way? And so the miracle of forgiveness is saying, I can forgive that person without making it right. That's right. You, and you don't have, it's not reconciliation. Right, right. Exactly. And sometimes reconciliation would be unwise, mm-hmm. especially when yes. there's abuse. Yes. And I've always said that as women, we have the spiritual responsibility to take care of our children, keep them safe. And um, 
not to stay in a marriage that is abusive. Um, and see, that takes courage in and of itself. It Be- does. Huge. Yes. Huge courage. And because as women, we, have a, we are so hardwired to blame ourselves. Oh, absolutely. Boy, I've been around that block several times. <laughs> <laughs> I know. And so we keep thinking, if I could do this, I should do that. You know, it's all the coulda, woulda, shouldas, if only then, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And it, it's hard to come to terms with when you've been truly wronged. And yeah. it and it's also kind of staggering because at at some point when I think about because I was also divorced and and it was a very very painful very painful marriage, and you know part of the the whole like forgiveness piece is coming to terms with the fact that somebody really could treat you that way. Mm. It's staggering. Yes. And and it's it's tough to not take that and be shamed by it. Absolutely, and to think that you're not the one that caused it. That's exactly right, and mm-hmm. that somehow mm-hmm. if you did the right thing, then yes. everything would work be okay. harder. <laughs> I know all those works, right? Yes, uh huh. <laughs> Let's just work harder. Oh my goodness! Well, is that was that part of the impetus of this journey with you for forgiveness? Was the was the issue with your husband? No, actually, the impetus was that um, I had to learn to forgive myself. Oh, absolutely. I'm so and, glad you brought that up. <laughs> oh, I, well, that's just a, that's a huge piece in my puzzle because I've really been married and divorced four times. My goodness. That is And tough. after the fourth one, fourth one, I thought, what's wrong with me? <laughs> what am I not getting? Exactly. Why do I keep repeating the same mistake? Right. And am I even saved? Right. I mean, I really wrestled with that. Oh, it can really and, take you down. Yeah. Oh, it did. Absolutely it did. But God in his providence sent a friend to me, and he looked me straight in the eye, and he said, Ruth, have you ever thought that maybe you felt abandoned as a little girl? Yes. And I, tears came to my eyes, but I didn't want that to be true. I adored my father. Mm-hmm. And I don't want any of your listeners to think I blame my father for anything. I don't. He was my hero. Still is. I, I miss him every single day. But I realized that that piece fit the puzzle. That all my life I had been looking for security. Yes. I would have told you that Jesus was my security. But deep down where the secrets are kept, it wasn't true. Wow. And I had to recognize that. And I had to, once I realized what my core issue was, I could forgive myself. That's, there are that's no excuses, remarkable. Right. But there are no excuses, but sometimes there are reasons. And once I realized what the reason was, then I said, okay, I can forgive myself. And I know that I have Mm -hmm. because I was in Sunday school class uh, some time ago, and we were doing 1 Corinthians and studying the culture of of Corinthians and uh, the Corinth. Can you know, and can we can we we're coming up to a break. Oh, Let's sure. start with that because I think okay. that is super important. So listeners hang in there with us. We're coming back and we have Ruth Graham with us today and I don't want you to miss it. Well, good afternoon. Welcome back to Conversations with Cynthia. I'm Cynthia Hyatt, your host. 
And thank you so much for joining in with us today. We have a great guest. This is Ruth Graham, and she's talking about her book on forgiveness and really a lot about her life story that is so powerful and impactful when it comes to God's grace and his ability to help us with forgiveness of others. And she left off talking about forgiveness of self. So, Ruth, tell us more about that. Well, it was very important for me to recognize that I had... I kept making these terrible mistakes because there was a reason. Yes. And once I realized the reason uh, that I did feel abandoned by my father, you know, as a little girl growing up, I wanted a daddy to tuck me in bed. I wanted him to teach me to ride the bicycle, but he wasn't there. And it seemed to me that when I needed him the most, he was the farthest away. Mm. So I grew up with this sense of abandonment. Now, nobody ever told me that. I've been to <laughs> counseling, I cannot tell you, and nobody ever <laughs> even suggested it. Right. But this friend of mine was smart enough to look at me and say, you felt abandoned. And he was absolutely right. And once I realized that that was my core issue, then I could forgive myself. And I have. And the reason I know that is that some years ago in Sunday school class, we were studying Corinthians, and we were studying the culture of Corinth and comparing it to our culture. And the teacher asked, when did we begin our downward slide? And someone in the back hollered out, when we accepted divorce. Well, normally I would have cringed and crawled under the pew. Right. I heard him. We went on with the class. It didn't bother me. And afterwards, the class, he came up to me. He said, oh, Ruth, he said, I feel so badly. He said, I meant to say easy divorce. And I looked at him and I said, Lowell, I am standing in Romans 8.1. There is now, therefore, no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. And to this day, I feel that if I felt condemned, do you think I would be telling you I'd been married and divorced four times? Exactly. No, I wouldn't. (laughs) I feel very secure that I have been forgiven, and I am free of that. Now, other people may look at me a little oddly, but... Okay. Well, and I, I see. I think that's the beauty of of Christ is that every, we all have to work out our salvation. We it's it's unique to all of us, and so it's the beauty of this forgiveness that says, "Hey, I'm not expecting you to be perfect down here. This is the first time you've ever done this. It's the first time mm-hmm. you've ever been human." So, you know, we have to learn many times by mistake. And you know, when you were talking about this with your dad and. I I, uh, just recently, actually, God gave me this great saying when I was struggling with, you know, some some life issues that are going on and and um, feeling, you know, maybe shame and condemned and like, why? Why? You know, I'm a therapist. I should get over this stuff. I mean, come on. Right. (laughs) And um, and funny joke. God really said to me, you know, Cynthia, I had you be a therapist because you need therapy lifetime. So. (laughs) <laughs> I laughed so hard. I was like, great. So every day, <laughs> every day I have treatment, right? So it's really, you know, it's God, I love his sense of humor. But what he yes. said to me that was so gracious was he said, Cynthia, this problem is not your fault. Mm. It's not your fault, but exactly. it is your problem. Yeah. And when I realized that, that it's like there's just some things that we're born with. We're born in a fallen body, right? Mm-hmm. We, you know, we mm-hmm. have a mind that's at enmity with God. So God knew and knows the mistakes that we're going to make, and that humans learn best by making mistakes. And so it really helped me when he said, you know, I'm not condemning you. I, I guess this is not your fault, all these, mm-hmm. whatever it is. But you are, it is your problem. The same way as if, you know, my house, like, was decimated by an earthquake, 
wouldn't be my fault, but it's still my problem. I got to get uh-huh. a new house, <laughs> you know. So we have about two minutes for this one, and then we have a good long segment next time. So what what do you want to say more to the listeners about this idea that you came to when it came to forgiveness in your father? Well, I think the important thing is, is it's how do we carry that forgiveness on? It, it is yes. a miracle. It does take place. It takes time. But I think it's very important for us to be in community. That yes. we have believers that we uh, surround ourselves with that will hold us accountable. And I know accountability is a sort of a bad word these days. And I heard Bob Goff say that accountability doesn't mean like somebody's looking over your shoulder. It means someone's holding you close. Right. And I like and cares. that idea. And cares. Yes. Exactly. So I think community is very important um, as we struggle with forgiveness. I think it's um, we want somebody to walk beside us, and um, and it's important to be attached to a body. Right. Right. Well, you know that's part of just being human. I mean, Jesus did the same thing. This is this that's is right. the, this is part of the DNA that humans don't do well without other humans. And it isn't like I need somebody to be telling me the obvious, right? I just need... Well, we, go, yeah, go ahead. We need to be vulnerable with yes, other people. And, yes. I, and that's scary. That's yes. scary. But you need to have a community of people who are willing to walk that journey with you. And um, I think sometimes when I'm in a group, and I'm very obviously very open and oh, transparent goodness. about things. I have the music. <laughs> Ruth, I'm so oh. sorry. We have the music that's just coming in. Join us in the next segment with Ruth Graham. We'll be right back. Well, good afternoon. I'm Cynthia Hyatt, and you are listening to Conversations with Cynthia. Thank you for joining me today. And I always like to remind you that if you're just tuning in, that we are on almost every podcast service you could imagine. You can find us anywhere. And I so appreciate the listenership and sending it to your friends and and just just being involved in this idea of how you can truly be the best version of you, not anybody else but the best version of you and what God had originally planned and designed when he knit you together in your mother's womb. So we have Ruth Graham, who is such an overcomer, and she has has talked so much and so candidly about this idea of forgiveness and forgiving herself and forgiving others. And so, Ruth, thank you so much for just spending time with us today. Where where would you like to start right now? Well, we've, we've talked about forgiving ourselves. Yes. Sometimes we have to forgive God. I, thank you for go, saying oh, that. No. <laughs> yes. Thank you for remembering to bring that up. That is a really important one. And I don't think, there's no theology for that, but there's no theology for forgiving ourselves either. We don't have the authority to forgive ourselves. But with God, I think it's because he doesn't meet our expectations. We get angry with him. And so for me, the idea of forgiving God is just surrender. Just surrender and say, you know, God, you didn't do it the way I wanted you to do it, but I'm going to trust you to do it the right way. And, um, and let that burden roll off of your shoulders. Oh, I, th- I think that's, that's excellent because the whole idea of forgiving God is not forgiving him because he did something wrong. No, It's no, because he didn't all. do it my way. Mm-hmm. You know, and so, you know, I always am telling clients that forgiveness is truly the most relational thing that we do because it allows us to reattach 
and and to bond with that person again. And so it also with God is such a trust issue that I always mm. have to say to myself, I either trust him or I don't. So yes. I don't understand his ways all the time, but he's either God and I trust him or not. So I think people really complicate forgiveness when they start to wonder whether or not God is really who he says he is. Mm. Yeah, that's right. Well, I know that for me, after my husband's infidelity, and um, I just I just knew that God was going to put the marriage back together again. Right. I claimed the promise, the latter will be greater than the former, and right. I think he will make all things new. And so I just knew he was going to put the marriage back together. What I didn't realize that I was going to be better. Oh, interesting. I was going to be new. So he answered, God answered those promises, the prayers, but not in the way I expected. But I got angry with him, and I said, God, you could have intervened. You could have stopped this. And he reminded me of who he is and that he was forming my life the way he wanted to form. Yes, my husband's infidelity was a horrible thing, but God used it in my life to become a much stronger person. And, yes. um, and I'm very grateful for it now. And I think that's what's so hard when we're forgiving God is that sometimes we think, well, why couldn't have God, you know, help me become a better person without that hardship? <laughs> and it's like, because we're human. Exactly. And so I, I'm always I'm saying to clients, remember, God's not the one bringing the hardship. It's the world. It's the fallenness of the world that God is continuing to try to undo and redo. But and it's it won't tough. Be redone until that's right. Comes back. <laughs> that's right. So when you think about teaching about forgiveness, what are some of the things that people have have shared with you about you know because they read your book? If it helped, like what did they share with you? Well, I think most of them share. You know, it's a struggle. Yes. And um, you know, how do they work it out? And I think it's very important that we have to feed our minds with truth. Because the devil's going to feed our minds with lies all the time. And so the use of Scripture to renew our minds. There was a woman in my family, not my immediate family, but in my family, who drove me crazy. (laughs) It was controlling. She was bitter. She was just just not a nice person. But she called me regularly. And every time I hear a voice on the phone, I just go, oh, it's like nails on a chalkboard. And I thought, you know, I'm going to have to deal with this. So I thought, okay, I'm going to memorize the scripture. So I memorized uh, Ephesians 4:32, "Be kind to one another, forgiving." And so when I would hear her voice, I would quote that verse to myself, and maybe through gritted teeth, <laughs> but I did it. Right. And pretty soon, I was able to let go of that, really that anger that I had towards her, right. and I could forgive her. We have to use the truth of the scripture. Well, the because Holy it is, it, is a yes. powerful agent, yes. and we need to call on him and use him. Because it's the plumb line. That's the thing that recenters us. Yes, it exactly. gets us back to true the, the truth and and writing ourselves. Yes, because we will lead ourselves astray so quickly. At least I I know I do. I I have to be very careful, you know. And I love using scripture to help me just get kind of back in the right lane. That's right, and it, it's so important to know the scriptures and be in mm-hmm. the and, uh, and it's important to be in community. So um, talk more about that, because I think that's really important for people to hear. Well, I think when you are all by yourself, then you think your own thoughts, and you go round and round and round in a circle and t- until it becomes like concrete. And you need people to throw fresh things at you. You need to have discussion. You need to have accountability. And I know that word is not popular. But accountability, as Bob Goff says, is not 
somebody looking over your shoulder. It's somebody holding you close. Right, right. And I like that thought much better, to be held close. Um, and sometimes we don't like that. We, we are independent, you know, mm-hmm. creatures. But we need accountability. We need fellowship. And we need to make ourselves vulnerable to other people. Now, people go, oh, no, I don't want to do that. That's dangerous. It is scary. It is scary because we're mistake-making people, so we may not handle your vulnerability perfectly. That's right, and that you might might get hurt. That's right. But if we make ourselves vulnerable, then other people will feel free to be vulnerable. Right. And that's where real ministry takes place. Well, and I think this idea about thoughts, you know, and feelings, I, I regularly say to to my patients, I say, listen, you know, do you believe everything you think? Do you believe everything you feel? You know, and we, we have a tendency to naturally just do that unconsciously. And, Mm -hmm. and so one of the things that scriptures does is it really helps. It challenges our thinking and it challenges our feelings that, that it doesn't mean that our thoughts are necessarily inherently wrong or bad or our feelings are bad. It just means that maybe we need to investigate them a little bit and decide whether or not you know, God is really wanting me to continue with that thought and feeling. Mm. Yes. Which means if I'm in community, then I have some people I can talk to about it, and I can hear myself talk to them. That's right. And they will respond back to That's you. Right. To <laughs> so, you know, it's, it's, I don't think we can overestimate the importance of community. Jesus was in community. Jesus is in community with the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. That's right. He is part of a community. And then he came into our community. And in our community, he had 12, then he had 70. You know, he was in the community. He had three, there were three of them that were real close. Mm-hmm. And um, he used them. Like when he went to the Garden of Gethsemane, he had them, the, John and um, Peter go with him to, to the right, edge. Right. And I think, I don't know if this is true, but when we are, have the knowledge that he said, not my will, but thine be done, who heard that? Right. I think it was somebody that was there close. That's right. Because he, he was loud. He was, the, the scripture says it was with loud crying. So I think he was loud, but I think that it was really um, someone overheard it. But somebody and had to hear it and report yeah. it. Yes, and he was, he was in community. He wanted those men close to him. He was suffering. He needed that. And if Jesus needs that, how much more we do. That's exactly. I mean, it's part of him being human and still being divine, you know, is that he really understood that need for for community. And, and I, you know, I love it when you say that triune is, you know, the Trinity is a community, because one of the newest insights that God gave me when I talk to clients is I say, you know, we have triunes everywhere. And so, you know, we have, you know, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. I have me, myself and I. I have parented old child past, present, future person of me. And I say to them, you know, how do you, how do I talk to me about myself? And see, imagine if Holy Spirit and Jesus were fighting, right? And God's like, seriously, guys, come on, right? And so I say, you know, that's, we're made in his image. So we want to have peace with me, myself, and I. And that's tough to find, Mm -hmm. you know, especially if I have, you know, unforgiveness toward myself. Yes, I think it's so important um, to be at peace with yourself. You have to forgive yourself. How and how you, long do do you think you know? Do you do you know how long it takes? Is it is it just different for everybody? Do you I think? I think it's different for everyone. I 
for me, it was a long, long time. I'm very stubborn and very hard-headed. <laughs> well, <laughs> for I, me, I I'm very judgmental, so I can be um, really hard on myself. Well, I think it, it, God does it when God does it. Yes. He's the one that does the miracle, and um, we participate with him in this forgiveness, And um, but it's his Holy Spirit that works it out in us. I love that. And don't you think it's also one of the most pleasing things to God when we do that? Oh, yes. Oh, yes, because that's who he is. Yes. Yes. Wow. And he loves us and he wants that for us. Well, where where do you go from here? Are you writing another book? <laughs> I am. And <laughs> Tell would you us. believe it's on loneliness? <laughs> oh, my gosh. Well, you'll have to come back because that would be very interesting. Well, this was a very interesting time to write a book on loneliness. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, you know, we had Josh McDowell last uh, two weeks ago. And he talked all about loneliness and the epidemic of Gen Z ah, and the yeah. loneliness issue. That's right. That's right. And I have a grandson that's in that generation. And right. I asked him, I said, you know, uh, are you lonely? He said, yes. He said, I am. He said, we think we are not lonely because we're connected, but we, we don't have that real heart connection. Right. So right. these are issues. And, and that's the, the generation that's hit the hardest until you get about 75. And then what, with the loss of a spouse yes. or loss of your health then loneliness becomes a factor. But uh, we've done some research, and it's very, very interesting. And I, I'm, I'm enjoying writing this book. Um, and it's given me something to do while I'm locked in my house. I know. <laughs> Isn't that the truth? So what, what is, so what, what, we have two minutes. What would be some parting thoughts that you want to leave the listeners with? Oh, dear, I would just say enter into the process of forgiveness. Don't be afraid of it. Um, God will meet you there. Uh, so often when he calls us to a place, we resist. But if we realize that he's there waiting for us, he's going to enable us. He's going to give us the strength and the power and the willingness to do what he's asked us to do. He doesn't ask us to do it on our own. He gives us this unbelievable power of the Holy Spirit who dwells within each believer and enables us to carry it out. And I, I just can't state, state that enough, that this is God's heartbeat for every one of your listeners he wants them to be forgiving people, and he wants to help them forgive. But they have to begin the process with a decision. They have to decide. Oh, that is very helpful. I, I think that is really good for listeners to hear, that all of us, no matter who we are, can struggle with forgiveness and not wanting to forgive. Oh, uh, all of us struggle <laughs> that way. It's like that, we feel it is, it's unfair. Exactly. You know, it's unfair. And it's not our favorite thing to do. It's not like we walk around going, oh, yay, I get to forgive this person. (laughs) Forgiveness is very unfair. You can ask Jesus how unfair it was. Yes, indeed. That's true. That's true. Well, we want to be like him. Yes, yes. Well, I am so thankful that you, you know, were just spent this hour with us. I really appreciate it. And I know the listeners are really appreciative of the just the life you have led and what you have learned from it and what God has done through you. So thank you, Ruth, so much today for being with us. Well, thank you, Cynthia, very much. I appreciate it. All right, hang on the line. We hope this past hour has been encouraging, motivating, and inspiring to you. The messages and teachings shared during the show are given as a way to reach you, the listener, with ideas and insights 
on how you may not only improve your life, but have more successful and meaningful relationships as you become the best version of you. Cynthia is available as a keynote speaker or guest speaker for your corporate or spiritual events. Cynthia is able to customize a message for any audience attending a meeting, retreat, or conference. In addition to this, she oftentimes partners her messages with music as she is a singer and musician. Please contact her through her website at CynthiaHyatt.com. If you missed any part of this program, you can download the most current show from her website at CynthiaHyatt.com or hear a replay on your favorite podcast server. Please take a moment to visit her Facebook page at Cynthia Hyatt Incorporated and leave your ideas and comments about today's show. Now, be your own best version. Be-